Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of Physique Science, and obviously we're doing a little bit different. We're, uh, we're filming this one, yeah. so for you, those of you listening to our disembodied voices on <laughs> iTunes, uh, I'm your host, Lane Norton, and I'm here with my co-host, Sohee Lee. Hey! But we also have a few special guests, so we have Brett Contreras joining us. Brett, say hi. What's up? <laughs> Steve Cook. What's up, guys? And Miss Bikini Olympia, Courtney King. That is a Miss Bikini Olympia. Whatever. Hopefully we can say Mr. Kinney and Arnold winner. We'll see. Right. Hashtag Sue. Hashtag Sue. Hashtag Sue. So, you know, I, I've, I've come out to Arizona because I'm prepping Steve and, mm -hmm. Cor and helping Courtney. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get a chance to talk to them because they kind of shook the mold in terms of um, people, big names in the fitness industry who do flexible dieting. I feel like I feel like now it's more acceptable for a long time there. It's very taboo, you know, for anybody to admit that they, they ate outside the normal bro foods. And uh, I guess I just kind of want to get your guys' opinion and everybody kind of like a round table on this is to... An one, actual round table. Yeah, an actual, yeah. actual round table. We're, for those of us listening to us on the podcast, we're sitting at a round table. Um, so I want to get your guys, one, what, what drew you to flexible dieting? And two, why do you think it is, was shunned for so long in the fitness industry? Do you want me to go first or do you want to answer? You take it away. Yeah. You're, you're more of a... See, for me, I'm someone who's fairly new into flexible dieting. Mm -hmm. I haven't... I'm not as good as eyeballing stuff or just kind of winging it as Steve, like we talked about, Lane. But he, Steve is very, very good. He knows, you know, really... He can look at something and be like, all right, well, this will fit. You know, this one, I don't have, I don't have room for this. For me, I'm still... I'm not that experience I guess in the whole flexible dieting I still do take that approach where I'm not so you know restricted and crazy and it has to only be these meals six times a day but um yeah so you start you start with how well, I'll, I'll start off by saying I think our favorite game this is when you know you're, you're prepping and you don't have a lot of entertainment in your life is the, my favorite game is to guess the grams on the scale before I put it on the scale. <laughs> that might be my. And I'm like, babe, hey, come check this out. I'm not on my guess. Strawberries. Strawberries. Like, this is gonna be three, four to thirty. It was like thirty-five. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve and I was. Let's play a game. Yeah. Uh, Steve and I, we we did this earlier. We went to what was it? Pokey. Yeah, Pokey Place in Scottsdale. And uh, she's like, okay, let's try this. Let's whatever I get. You you try you write down what you think it is protein carb fat wise and I write it down we're within five grams of everything yeah. of each other you were so, and I think I was probably overcompensating because when you're the one dieting you always want to overshoot that, Steve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah what, the way I got started off with flexible dieting is with, with Lane um, I did my first I did a NGA show with with a bodybuilder in Idaho and he kind of prepared it was my, he wrote out a meal plan for me. And it was my first, you know, introduction to bodybuilding. It was great. I remember, you know, I was a volunteer firefighter, and I looked forward every night to my protein bar that I got to eat. Mm. Um, that was my, that was like my highlight of my day. And then I started reading. And this is about the time I started doing stuff with bodybuilding.com, and Lane was really big on there. And I started reading about it. And Dr. Joe, um, I, I actually prepped one show, the Muscle and Fitness Male Model Search with Dr. Joe. And then oh, I didn't, I didn't do that. Yeah, and then he kind of it kind of led me into what Lane was doing. And I think it was, because um, you know, right at about that time that, that men's physique also started taking off. Yeah. So I did a lot of my men's physique, the, I won my pro card with Lane. And you uh, transitioned to NPC by that time? Yeah, right. so I had, yeah, that was by the time I, I transitioned to the NPC and then the IFPB. One did one NPC show, um, pro card, and then um, kind of took some time off. But it was really working with Lane that like, it was hard for me for a while because I had this mentality that like, I needed to be perfect. It's like a badge of honor to eat cold tilapia, sweet potatoes, and asparagus. Like, you have to get lean this way. And I just, I realized, like, I came to a breaking point. It was I was either going to burn out in this industry and totally go crazy. Like, I remember getting done before I worked with Lane, just being like, I don't know how to go back to eating normal. Like, I can have a sandwich? Like, that apple's bad. Like, it was so weird. And I remember talking to people being like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not cut out. But really, that's that negative voice in your head. It's not that you're not cut out for it. You're not meant to do stuff like that. Mm. And so working with Lane, I think, um, really helped me to, to do that. And I've, even since then, I, I've prepped um, eating normal or eating, even since the first time I prepped with Lane, I have prepped 
um, doing set meals again, eating the same thing over and over again at the same time. And I just, it's not a lifestyle for me. And that's why I've taken the last two and a half, three years off. And this prep, this time, this go around, I'll be sipping on stage in two and a half weeks. Like, it's really been really easy today. <laughs> today I had Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been so great. Today I had Chick-fil-A, also in part because Courtney helps, Courtney prepares a lot of the meals, but. Seriously, dude, I walked in your place like, are you hungry? Can I yeah. get you anything? <laughs> I was like, wow. It's like going over to. What macros do you want? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Babe, hey. She's like, you want your five grams of, of chicken with the coconut rice, and then do you want do you want the special do you want the special dressing with that? I'm like, ah, let's 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 switch it up. So it, Courtney's amazing at making low calorie things taste good. My favorite thing she does, she puts stevia. I call her the the stevia fairy because wherever she goes, there's like a there's like a, there's like a, there's like a stevia trail behind her. I do ice cream everything. And it's this it's this mustard. It's That's amazing mustard. Healthy? Yeah, mustard oh, yeah. with um, coconut aminos with some stevia. And to be honest, it is the best dressing, best dressing. On, on everything. Like, she, I, I put a little in my hair to give it the <laughs> <laughs> You know what's so funny is when I first got into this industry, though, I was with, like, a, you know, told you a team that was, like, super cookie cutter. Every girl got the same plan. We're doing, like, two hours of cardio a day, like, no lifting, really. It's just, like, plyometric stuff. And on our meal plans, sodium was like forbidden. Like sodium was like, yeah. you, could, you can't, you couldn't solve anything. I'm like, and now I'm like, I can't believe like, I, I won't put like, you, you couldn't even use mustard because there's sodium, like anything was salt. Isn't that crazy? But you, I just. We probably get. So much. You probably, so probably get salt. three, I probably get five grams of. I had a girl who was consuming 20,000 milligrams of sodium a day. Really? Wow. Yeah, we probably get. That was, that was probably a little bit excessive. That was Katie Rutherford, actually. That was pretty excessive, but she also drank like almost four gallons of water. Yeah. Wow. Four yeah. gallons? Yes. That's yeah. like 12. It would be like a fish. Wow. Pain all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, <laughs> much four gallons water. of water? Yeah. That's wow. like Lauren. Lauren can't go anywhere like, wait, I gotta go back. 20 minutes. <laughs> I need yeah. a bathroom every 20 minutes. So why do you guys think that, um, like now it's getting more accepted. I, I think that yeah. in a lot of times, like, like I felt with a lot of things that kind of, I was the, I was the guy out of a lot of things. Brett probably feels this way with the, with the hip thrust. Mm -hmm. I was out there taking like shots from people who were like, this is stupid, this can't work, you know, this and that. And now it's become more accepted. But why do you, what, do you guys have any ideas? And I want Sohi, the, the psychologist over here, <laughs> any ideas why you think like this method of, of dieting would be people would shun it, you know, that they would look like negatively upon. I think uh, people take a lot of pride in taking the more hardcore approach. And um, I actually remember one of your, I think it was you, maybe two or three years ago, wrote a post on Facebook or somewhere about how um, people try to be hardcore by being stricter with their diets. But you said, you know what's actually hardcore is actually staying lean and maintaining that year round. And that's harder to do. Um, and you say, you know, one of my clients a few years ago, she said, this is a total light bulb moment for me. She goes, extremes are so easy and moderation is so hard. That's right. And for someone to say, you know, January 1st, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on this extreme diet and lose 50 pounds. Everyone's like, oh, wow, like, look at you go. And they're saying, look at all these things I can't even eat. And um, the thing is, you know, I was, and this is actually what I'm kind of studying right now with my master's thesis in psychology. So it's interesting for me to um, really talk about this. But the... The more um, people restrain their diets, so and there's this there's the mentality that and you know you, you think it makes sense. It's it's yeah logically if you're stricter you're gonna get results faster. So why would I not go that route? But the problem is it'd be fine as long as you were actually able to adhere to it day in and day out. But what happens with most people is that there comes a point where with me and I'm sure with you guys too, after a certain number of weeks or months, you just reach a point of burnout where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And all of a sudden your adherence is dropping. For me, I know um, when I was working with my first coach, I was on a meal plan, a strict meal plan. Eventually I was on like 900 something calories a day, six days of cardio a week. Ooh. I was a full-time yeah. college student. Um, I was a freshman also, uh, so you know, trying to juggle all that, and then by the end of the six month period, I had just gotten to the point where I was following the meal plan for three days and then binging every, every third day, I'd start binging, mm -hmm. and then my weight, you know, started creeping up and creeping up, and I go, I don't want it, and, I, and, I, and for a long time I just kept thinking, this isn't working because I'm not being strict enough, 
Um, but that's actually the opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah. And um, I, I think, you know, one of my clients just last week was telling me, you know, one of our check-ins, she goes, you know, since working with you, I've prepped for a show and I've put on maybe two, three pounds in the past four months since my show. I'm eating more than ever. I'm not spending my life in the gym. I'm doing no extra cardio. I feel good. And she goes, my coworkers ask me what I'm doing to stay this way. And I tell them, I don't restrict foods. I have a little bit of junk food. I have some of this. And they get angry. Yeah. <laughs> they actually yeah. got mad at her because it was almost like, well, if it's that easy to do, if it's that sustainable, now I have no excuse to not be able to do it. But or it something. Was, but it wasn't easy because you had to learn how you how And then here's the thing. Men, the mindset, yeah, getting to that point mentally is the hardest thing, I feel like. And that's why I think it's important to teach people the ways of flexible dieting from the get-go rather than just eat clean first and then we'll teach you how to rate yeah. it later because that's a really hard transition to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were talking about this and I think the biggest thing is, is with not necessarily with competitors but with people out there that want to lose weight um, just in the everyday life that they think that they that there's some secret that there's some yeah. and, and, and they would have oh uh, Steve Cook has a ripped eight pack because he's not eating this one particular food or he's eating this one right. food they would rather be given a meal plan than say hey I have to take it upon myself to read labels and they don't realize that long term it's going to be so much easier if you take it's going to be a kind of a pain in the butt for a week you have to look at everything, you have to read, you have to maybe write things down or get really familiar with a meal tracking app. And that's that's always hard to do, but guess what? And if you if you do it and you get familiar with it, a month or two goes by and all of a sudden you're able to eyeball things and again it's mindful eating yeah. at that point. And that's really where you're actually seeing this like, oh, it's really not too bad. But like I know that like I have this this budget in my day and I know that food that I was eating that monster energy drink from the gas station that's not sugar-free that has 42 grams of carbs this is my brother talking I'm like hey what do you eat today he's been trying to lose weight this year a pretzel and a pretzel and a monster I'm like do you realize for that same 42 yeah. grams of carbs mm -hmm. you could have had this 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 and this yeah. and you're gonna feel so much like better on it yeah. Yeah. but like it, but if you love that monster energy drink guess what like you, you have this set amount of macros spend it on something else that you want have that pretzel maybe yeah. or whatever yeah. Yeah. but well that's it the the budget analogies is something we love. You know, it, yeah. it makes it makes sense. You know, like that that Monster Energy drink. That's a eighty thousand dollars sports car. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're not you're not. It's depreciating asset. Yeah. Depreciating asset. Unless you really really yeah. love that. Unless you really really, really love it. But but you're not. Even if you really love that sports car, if you make ninety grand a year or hundred grand a year, should you buy a sports car eighty grand cash? If you yeah. can't pay your mortgage, you right. can't pay your utilities. Well, that's what that loss is, right? So if you, if that, if, if drinking that or eating, you know, something that's that's not very filling, uh, if that causes you to not be able to take care of the things you need to take care of, hit your protein, carbs, and fats, hit your fiber, then you can't do it, right? So that's why I would say flexible dieting when done properly is self-regulating. Mm. And I bring up your example of the Snickers during contest <laughs> prep, right? Oh, this is this is the yes, example. Yes, we just talked about this. Was you were the <laughs> you know, it's like, I forget to have days. You're like, I don't want. She, she was saying, like, she was like, saying she wants a salad. She doesn't want a salad. And then, like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, of course, yeah. It's, very, it's very dense. And, you know, we, we, we had Dr. Mark Hub on our show. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes, actually. He's the, um, the Twinkie Diet guy from. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. I think yeah. it was Kansas State. He's a nutrition professor awesome. at Kansas awesome State. Awesome interview. Yeah. Ate, and like, he, a Twinkies bar. Twinkies bar for like 90 days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to eat like a Lost certain amount of junk. a good food. amount of weight. His, and his, his health markers actually improved. They improved, Like his yeah. blood levels, they all got better because and he was still losing weight. Well, that's, that was going down. that's the thing. That the markers of health, like your, your markers of inflammation, blood cholesterol, blood lipids, all these things, it's a weight loss effect. It's not a healthy foods effect. If you look, and there was a study done by Sirwit, and I always reference this because I think it's a great example. They compared like over 100 grams of sugar intake per day versus about 10 grams of sugar intake per day, right? And they, they had them calorically restrict, same total calories. Both groups lost the same amount of weight, same amount of body fat, and all of them had improvements in their blood markers, but there wasn't any difference. The only, the only difference was there was a very slight, slight improve, more, greater improvement in cholesterol in the group that had lower sugar. Both groups improved. Not just, but not significant. It was significant. It was, it was significant. Okay, so that was but, it was. but you can explain it easily by the difference in fiber intake because fiber binds cholesterol and causes you to excrete it. Mm. So the group that was low sugar had more fiber. That explains why the cholesterol mm -hmm. was lower. My guess is you equate it for fiber, 
then you wouldn't see a difference. But there, even the markers of inflammation went down, right? So Mark Howe, when he would give a speech on, 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 on what he did, he would go up and he would put up a profile of his nutrition of protein, carbs, fats, fiber, um, the vitamins and minerals, all that kind of stuff. And he would say, "Do you all, is this a healthy diet? And everybody would be like, He's like, and he said, people were like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really good. Maybe a little bit low in vitamin K, but other than that, like, yeah. you're, you're dead on. And then he would put up a, a picture of the foods he ate to get there. And would say, is this a healthy diet? And I said, no, no, no. And he said, what if I told you these two were the same? You know? Crazy. But he did mention That's that. That's a really got, powerful teaching strategy. Absolutely. Yeah, I, think I, like that. I actually, when I was supposed to, supposed to debate this guy at ISSM, we were going to debate clean eating versus... versus backed out. Of course he backed out. <laughs> so, um, me and Dan Newmar kept taking pictures like, where's, where's he at? Like, I can't even remember the guy's yes. name. But you know, he put up, and my opening statement, my opening statement for this was going to be, and I feel like this is pervasive throughout the fitness industry, people who look down on, on people who flexible diet. He, um, my opening, I went to his Instagram, and the first thing I saw was that his cheat meal, his cheat day, one day a week, right? He has a cheat day. I calculated the calories he had from junk food. It was about 7,000 calories, right? And then I went back and looked at how much junk food I ate per week, flexible diet. So just spread it was, out. It was about 4,000 calories. So I was actually eating less junk food than the quote unquote clean eater. That's my yeah, and like that was kind of what we talked about too in you know, our previous video, how you know, I, would, I thought it was super good because I'd you know, go hard Monday through right. Friday. And the Saturday night rolls around. It's like, all right, I have a little something, your cheat meal, and then you kind of break it. You and reward then, yourself. And then it's like you just go off the bandwagon because yeah. you've been. And then you so spent three days trying to get back. And then all those back. calories that you, I just consumed within you know twenty four hours. You know, you go from Saturday night up until Sunday. It's just kind of like one of those days prior to it, you know. You your, and then what you do is you put yourself on the roller coaster. Exactly, you know? and like that yo-yo effect. One of my, I put up, and I feel like it's one of my more brilliant memes I've ever put online. It was, you know, the Joker, like the Joker <laughs> meme where it's like, do this and people do this, right. but do this and everyone loses yeah. their mind. So I said, you know, uh, you know, um, binge on chocolate, no one bats an eye, but make it fit your macros and everyone loses their minds, you know? And like, it is true, it is true. That's what your earlier question about why was there this backlash, I think that's one of the main reasons. It's like, <clears throat> I mean, I'm guilty of this. Like, you, you don't want to take a picture of your, like, you know, your clean meals. With, no, with no. Clean meals. It's not fun. So when you splurge, you want to, you just want to, you're like excited about it. You want to take a picture of it and put it on your Instagram or whatever. And then you're hashtagging IFYM. And in fact, I pulled it up while we were talking. This was the first image that came out. Waffle and syrup Oreo. Oh, shit. Wait. Is that his name? Oh, my God. Seriously? Is that real? I've seen yeah. these before where it's actually Yo, fake. Yo, I've seen these fake Oreos, too. Oh, that's the first thing that right. came up. So they, if that's so, not one, it needs to. The average person, well, think if you're a hardcore bodybuilder and you've always done it this way. Well, first of all, we have to get in the minds of how much BS do we see every day on Facebook, things that are sponsored, and your your initial assumptions is, you know, this is so stupid. Tell us the lower the food. Yeah, right, right. Cause inflammation. Inflammation, I've seen that a million times. So we're, we're trained to kind of roll our eyes at everything that comes by. So then you start hearing about this IFOM, and it's always someone... Initially, it wasn't the bodybuilders doing no, it. it was some skinny kids on the message boards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, it's and so they're true. posting pictures of their top charts, and and you're like, you don't, you know. And so I, I can see why they would initially. That's why they, they want to show how much junk food they can actually eat on right. it. And, and that's, that's just not really the thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, that's, about this that's thing, where people think, you know, if it fits your macros, it's just like you only eat those. If it if it fits your macros, people only eat like donuts and pop. Right. 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 But. That's not essentially the case because you can still track and you can still eat your clean bro food or, or whatever you want. Absolutely, no, I have the Ryan Coleman DVDs from back in the day. He was ketchup on he was, Yeah, he was flexible dieting. Exactly. I mean, they had they actually had flexible. I watched them. Well, he wasn't. He didn't call it like real. But he was eating fries. He goes like what was it Outback or something like three times a day. Yeah. yeah, six weeks out oh. from I had the money. They just showed eating and like chewing and sucking on the bread. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ye
and like fries and a ton of ketchup and yeah, yeah. yeah. you can't have ketchup. And what's funny is everybody freaked out about the ketchup. Like that was the thing that everybody <laughs> freaked out. Fries. He can't have ketchup. He can't. Like, yeah. Okay. The fries are fine. <laughs> yeah. So and well, those are potatoes. You know, yeah. So I also think it's interesting because really it, it becomes down to and this is more of a psychological question when it comes down to that bad food kind of you love posting it it's that almost excitement like you get you know the same part of your brain lights up with excitement when you're eating that bad food it becomes almost like it's it's it's, it's almost like this naughty cheat like you feel like you're doing something bad like i told you after prepping you know strict years ago i was working at texas roadhouse pounding ice cream in the back because it kind of gave me like Oh, gosh, I kind of like got off on this. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. Put ice cream on the table. Like, yeah, yeah. But it was like, oh. that's what I feel like junk food kind of, you know. And, and, and I think that, so really, it, it comes down to, it's not really about like laugh crying. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone comes in, I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. It's like, it was like almost like, like I was like trying to cover up like a porn addiction. <laughs> but like, I was so, I guess what I'm, yeah. This table's getting real good. No, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is that like people put that like, it, food becomes so taboo, like you shouldn't eat that. We tell ourselves that, that all of a sudden be, you start getting like weird relationships with it to where it, it's just, that. it's just totally, you know, so unhealthy. But I think that that's where like the normal person they just can't wrap their mind around it because one, we as society just held so taboo and so taboo. One thing we may be missing too is um, that the reason maybe the backlash in the fitness industry is, let's say you've been doing it, you've had to suffer right for a long time, you've only eaten certain foods, and you see somebody who's able to get in shape doing this kind of thing, you're not going to feel happy for them. No. Right? You're going to feel it like, you no, I, I did this for a reason. You're like, right? that. this has to be the way it works because you're suffering yeah, right. So, so if you've only eaten broccoli, asparagus, and, mm -hmm. and brown rice and chicken to get in shape, and you see people, you know, do it, well, that, that, and I always say the warrior cry of the anti-flexible. But what about overall health? You know, what I mean? <laughs> so you could get ripped on IAFYM because there's now we have thousands of examples of people getting right. Uh, people said, well, you can't. I'm like, wait. wait so I'm like, well, the science is there. We have the science. We've shown this. Lauren Collin and Bill Campbell even did a study comparing it, even though we know the scientific data is there, to show that there's no difference. If you want to eat clean, fine, that's fine. But flexible diet is just as good with the same macros. But then they say, well, well, show me some pro who got... So they say, well, show me an IPB pro who's done it and, and won a show or whatever. And I say, you know what? You know I don't do it? Because it's not cool. Because it doesn't look cool. It's like wearing a damn hoodie while you're doing cardio, right? Yeah. There's no extra fat burning effect to that. It just looks kind of cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they don't, they, some, of them, some of them do 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 it, you know, but they just don't talk about it. Well, a few and, things. They, they cheat. They have the cheat meal. Right. And it's like if one of them were split it out across the week. Yeah. Second of all, some of them did, like Ronnie Coleman. That was yeah. flexible dieting, whether you want to call it or not. Yeah. And third of all, a lot of them are really dumb. Like they don't think, <laughs> they don't think to try it. Well, don't I think that it could be scared outside the box. But again, again, what you get back to, if you broke down clean versus unclean foods in a flexible diet, if we, if we just took a, this is clean, this isn't clean, and we broke down someone's diet who's a flexible dieter, what percent, getting back to that unhealthy person who does yeah. cheat meals, what percent of your diet would be deemed unclean? Maybe 30? 20, 20, yeah. Yeah. Like 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, and get shredded. You're going to tell me there's one IPB pro who gets leaner than Alberto Nunez? Good luck, right? So and then they put that up and I said, oh, well, that, that. So then they said, well, there's no IPB pros that do that. It's like, okay, so hang on a second. Are you telling me steroids make it harder to get right. leaner? Okay. Well, are, are you saying that's okay? Okay, so they can get shredded. Maybe they, can they not build as much muscle? Well, what are you saying about that? So what is your, like, when you break down the argument, there really is no argument. It's just an emotional thing where it's, you know, I want to justify the suffering I've had to go through. And it looks cool to suffer. And listen, when I did, when I started flexible dieting, I told them I didn't do it because I wanted to find reason to eat Pop-Tarts and stuff. I, 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 I would win. 
Like, I'm an athlete. I, I want to win, right? I want to do whatever it takes to win. If I thought eating clean was best to, to win, I would do that. The reason I started is because I found myself blowing up in the offseason and I could not, I, I was getting so far out of contest shape that it would, I'd lose a lot of lean body mass trying to get back down to that contest shape as a natural. Every single case study we have on natural bodybuilders shows they lose at least five kilos of lean, or sorry, at least five pounds of lean body mass diving down for a contest. Every single case study and they're hypogonadal by the time they're done. Like, contest prep on a natural bodybuilder crushes your lean body mass. Regardless of if you do it right, like you are going to lose lean body mass. Right. So, and the harder you have to diet, the more likely you are to, have to lose lean body mass. So I thought, okay, well, if I can stay closer to contest weight, I'm not getting so far outside of that, you know, then maybe I can maintain more of my size going in. What I found was when I started introducing myself some flexibility, instead of saying, I'm, you know, oh, this is my last cheat meal, I'm never having a cheat meal again, you know, of course you're going to cheat again. You, you, you've yeah. done 5,000 times, you're going to do it again. Instead of doing that, say, okay, I'm trying to figure out what the macros are on that piece of pizza I just had. And just so this, have you kind of thought of this on your own. Yeah. I just, yeah even like, 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 like you And then the I found the science afterwards. Right, yeah, know? yeah. You know, people ask me all the time, what was my last cheat meal? I haven't had a cheat meal in like... Eight years. Yeah, it was like eight years. Because I'm always eating mindfully. Right. You don't have, you don't even consider about, eating. Even though yeah. I'm, I'm not weighing it out down to the ground, sure. I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, eh, it probably has this, this, and this. And I'm keeping a mind. You're yeah, right. But I, I'm 40 years old. I, I even remember when I was 16 reading all the bodybuilding magazines and I go, why do they always eat oats and brown rice and whole wheat stuff? Like what if I, what if you liked, what if you wanted a glass of orange juice? Couldn't you substitute that? What if you wanted a yogurt? Where does yogurt fit in? Yeah. If you like milk, can you kind of like a little less meat and a little less uh, rice but have some milk? I remember thinking about flexible diet when I was 16 years old. Yeah. And I was like, this doesn't make sense, but yeah. none of the bodybuilders did it that it way. Right. The right but they thing don't. To do. But the, what I said, I, I feel bad because I said most of them are stupid. They don't <laughs> They don't experiment enough. Yeah. Because if you, if they did, they'd say, I'm gonna I'm gonna experiment during the off season. I'm gonna substitute things. They would never say. They would never have a problem. He said substitute turkey for right. fish. Well, or substitute clean stuff. Dr. Joe talked about this on our podcast. We don't remember. It all started with peas for Joe. Joe, Joe had a contest prep guy who was and had him eating green beans and Joe says, well, I don't like green beans, can I, can I just do peas? No. And Joe's like, well, why not? You know, and the guy couldn't give an answer. And I, I think part of the reason the, 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 science, the science guys in the industry have been drawn to flexible dieting, you're hard pressed to find one guy who actually has a background in science who advocates for clean eating over flexible dieting. It, I don't know of any, to be honest. Maybe there's a couple, but anybody who actually has it, because a scientific person the actual nature is to be inquisitive and not just accept what somebody tells you. You're, you're, why? Why is that? Like, I remember anytime somebody will say something to me, I'll go, mm. you know, like, I'm very skeptical yeah. just by nature. Right. Like, I remember I was at the doctor's office and the nurse said, oh, well, you're having heartburn. Well, that means probably the baby has a lot of hair. And I was like, that sounds like gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's just by nature being more skeptical was how like Joe came to it, I came to it kind of on our own. And then once I, you know, on the message board, I can remember just people saying, hey, is, people say, hey, is an apple okay? Hey, is this okay? And I said, yeah, it fits your macros, it's, it's fine. And that's kind of where it came from was, I don't want to say I came up with, I think Eric Conrad was actually the guy who first said IIFYM, but it was everybody said, yeah, it's fine if it fits your macros. Right. Let me, let me ask, because one thing I've often thought about is, you know, some people, you know, again, they, they, they can do really well, like, you know, is, is if fitting your macros can be looked at something that's not even a 24 hour thing. Let's, let's say all things being equal, you look at it a, a week and you try to split your protein up accordingly, but maybe one day it's carb cycling, but could you do it extreme? Could you do like one day of all veggies and then have a super duper high day? Cause there's some people that I know that like when I, I don't want one cookie, I want five cookies if yeah. I'm going to eat them. <laughs> the bite of chocolate and put wrap it up and then just every day they can say and say it but like it's like it's like I want five cookies. Can you what when you're carb cycling and looking at that, is there a place that kind of you can meet halfway? Is it like more like a, I, a weekly balance? Yes. Or is it a day? Yeah. I, I think so 
the leanest I ever got was 224 pounds, and I, I went on decks, I still was 16% body fat. Well, but, I don't know what decks I know, but I looked good. Mm -hmm. Other pictures, I looked great for me, not for you. <laughs> you would have committed suicide. Look at the lady ice cream in the back crying. Yeah. <laughs> you would have committed suicide. I'm surprised Brett hasn't put his arm around Steve. <laughs> what I, I started, I started, I, I was going to make a, a, like a product or something called putting the flex in flexible dieting. Okay. And I was going to say, okay. we're not flexible enough. First of all, one day a week you can have an if it fits your calories day. Yeah. And not, not if it fits your macros day because, you know, you're going to get some pro. Now you could set minimums for protein and fats, but sure. You can't, I, I, as I got leaner, I was like, one day a week, I, I just, I felt like it helped with adherence. Yeah. If I said, you know, I can, I can eat a lot of calories. It's sometimes, usually I'm like 6,000, but I got down to like 3,800 was oh, the lowest. Oh, I know. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> that was the lowest, but I could get 3,800 calories one day a week of kind of crud. Now, could I get to like 6% body fat that way? Maybe not, but I do think we have wiggle room. And it's even with protein, you know, if you get, 1.6 grams one day, 2.2 yeah. right. another day, and then carbs and fats are kind of interchangeable. Uh, well, once yes. you have the bare minimums, that so those you can just completely one day you want yeah, to go one day type of well, thing. If it's the if you're the type that that affects your training, but I found yeah. that it didn't affect my training. Did, did, have you, you know, found there's, that? There's, like, there's really no so we don't really have any data about carbs. Yeah, right? we don't have data about that. Um, I I think you're looking at a hierarchy. It's what you have to look at, right? So you're your yes, it's probably weekly calories are the most important thing. Right, and then yeah. below that is weekly macros. And then below that is your daily calories. And then below that is your daily macros. Yeah. And you go, you go down and by the bottom or the absolute you know, lower rung of the hierarchy is meal timing and these sorts yeah. of things, right? So, um, you know, what I'll tell people is, you know, I would prefer that they get closer to their macros just because I think there's something to be said with consistency in terms of yeah. what you're feeding your body yeah. in terms of the macronutrients it's seeing. Because if you're used to a certain amount of carbohydrate, if one day you flip it, your body's more used to metabolizing carbohydrate. It's not used to metabolizing that much fat. It's like that's you're on a low-fat, higher-carb diet, and you flip it, you're doing high-fat, low-carb. There is a lag time for your body to get adjusted to that. So now, is it... Is it better to say, like you were saying, one day a week, say, no, don't worry about, you know. The intermittent fasting approach almost. Like, I, right. You know, well, like, and I'll tell people, I have clients who say, well, listen, I know i got this trip coming up. It's going to be two days, and I know I'm going to be eating more of this. Okay, well, let's cut 300 calories per day out of, your, out of your week, right, and then give you some more flexibility when you go out there. Right. right? That's okay. And I'll say the same thing. Like, if you know you're going to be traveling, you're, you're, you're doing these sorts of things, what I'll always say is that the meals you can control when you're on vacation, go low carb, low fat, right? So at the meals you have less control over, you have more flexibility to fit mm -hmm. it in. And usually what I'll do is I'll, I really try to have like lower fat, low, or if I'm traveling, lower fat, lower carb breakfast, you know, and, and something that's just really easy. So like as it gets later in the day, I have more flexibility. If you have a pretty high carb, high fat breakfast, now you kind of like roped yourself into yeah. what you have available to yeah. you later in the day. And speaking to that, everything else, your, your self-control is like a muscle. The more you use it, the weaker it gets. So we start out at the beginning of the day and we're going to be on our diet and we're going to hit our breakfast to tea. And then what happens at 10 o'clock when you've had to make a million other choices throughout your entire day? Yeah, this is, you made a million choices throughout your day. You're up at the end of the day and you don't have any more 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 strength to give that willpower. Well, that's really well, I think stressed. Exactly. Well, actually, you want the psychologist to chime in about that? Yeah. That's, I was a biology psychologist. This, 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 this is called ego depletion, and I am like, it's obvious there's ego depletion, but there was a new meta-analysis that came out that showed, well, yeah, I read it. Yeah, they, I actually uh, read it, but she can comment on it. They, so I was actually like, for the, my first, so I, it's my first, you're my master's thesis right now in psychology and I'm studying the psychology of eating behavior. And uh, for the whole, I would say the first like 10 weeks of my uh, my first semester, I was meeting with my advisor every week and I was trying to do a study on ego depletion, which is the idea that whole self-control is limited. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just kind of like iffy about it. And um, not long ago, the, the meta-analysis came out where they had, uh, I think like 47 different labs around the world replicating the same exact um, self-control protocol and they found that 
the effect size was actually not as big as they initially thought. So now they're trying to say that uh, maybe ego depletion is not an actual phenomenon. And there's actually another study by um, Carol Dweck, who's a psychologist at Stanford, who showed that uh, whether or not you're limited in self-control depends on your belief about whether or not you think ego depletion is a real thing. So if you like, if you're taught to, if I say to you, "Hey guys, there's a thing called self-control," and guess what? It's unlimited. Um, and then you guys will perform better on some cognitive tasks. And then another group will say, "Self-control is limited. The more you use it, the less you have." So then they'll start going in that direction. So there's um, some conflicting evidence, and so I don't really know what to think right now. Um, but there's a lot of evidence for it, and there's some against it. Um, but there was a good letter to the editor that was written on that that I read that I was like, yeah. Because I, I think it's obvious. Right. I know but for me, when, later in the day, if I, I had a too. special day, yeah, well, but I, I, do you I, find that? what Corey Cope said on our show? Uh, self-control is fatiguing. Yeah, yeah. Is fatiguing. yeah. That's, um, I, I personally... Yes, I but find that to be I mean, even, even like, okay, even little, little choices, like, do I speed to get home? Like, I'm not going yeah. to. Like, that, every choice we have, to me, and it's always made sense, like, the more you use a muscle, no, the weaker it gets. So then is flexible dining bad for decision fatigue? Well, I mean, there's a balance. Yes, definitely. Some people train one disorder for another, absolutely. Like, they can, well, I've got two grams of carbs left and one gram of fat. What can I, what can I use to get that? It's like, dude, you, you're done. Like, you're fine. You know, you're like, done. If you're within ten, five, ten grams of every macronutrient, you're 100. I wrote a blog post like 14 months ago uh, related to that uh, called "Nobody Gives a Shit About Your Macros," <laughs> and it's just not saying like no one cares. It's it's you know if you're if you're the kind of person who goes out to a restaurant and all you can do is talk about what do you think the macros are, talking about macros, what are your macros? That is. That's, I guess, it's a bad thing to be. Orthorexia or something. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's a form of disorder eating, also. If, right. if that's what you're thinking about all the time. A flexible a vegan, and a crossfit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the cool thing I will say about um, self control that I really like that no one here um, has believes this right now is that uh, there's this big misconception about this about being lean and, and, and adhering to a diet is about having more self control. That's not true. When you. Uh, a lot of people, when they, when they like fall off their diet, and I thought this too, I thought, oh my god, I just don't have enough self I need more self-control, that's why it's not working. But there is so much research now that shows that it's actually the people who rely on their habits, which is my thesis, their habits more on self-control. They're the ones who are healthier year-round. They're the ones with lower BMI and with healthier lifestyles overall. So it's not that you need more self-control, you actually need to build better habits. So they're kind of two sides of the... Same point. Because yeah. habits, you don't rely on self-control. There's no cognitive effort involved. There's no, um, there's no conscious thought. You cannot do it automatically. So it's your default you behavior. Yeah. It's funny because like right. people ask me, like, oh, doesn't it get bother you to track like that? I'm like, no, no. Okay, Lane, when you were visiting last fall, so I like to pay attention to people's eating behaviors, and I noticed this with um, uh, Spencer Nabolski when he was around two. There is a the, the way that you eat. You go for the um, the low calorie butter. You go for the Splendo or the sugar, the brown sugar, right? Right. It's egg whites. Egg whites over whole eggs. Um, not all whole spray eggs. butter over like actual butter. These things add up throughout the day, and someone can look at you and be like, "Wow, he's trying so hard to to be like so good with his diet or whatever." But I'm looking at it going, "No, this is his default. These are his habits. It takes yeah. no extra effort at this point for you." Now, someone else to replicate the same behaviors might be a lot more difficult right. because they're not there yet. But for you, that's your automatic, and that's why you can stay leaning around. It's, it explains so much. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and that's it doesn't it doesn't cause me any extra stress. Right. It doesn't like I. I I just, it's just something I'm so used to doing because it's become a habit. Same with training. Now, if Working I. Working out is a part of life. Right. Oh, like, people say, oh man, you're so dedicated to go gym. I'm like, stop, stop. stop. Like, like, dedication to keep me out of the gym. Right, you know what I mean? right, like, right. And it's not some heroic thing, you know? But, you know, now if I go up a level, like if I'm prepping for a contest and I'm sure. getting, you know, because to get that lean, yes, it does take another level of commitment and precision. For me to go up to that level, Yes, that that will be fatiguing for me. Like I will. Sorry, monster. <laughs> I will get to a certain. the orange one, bro. <laughs> Lay off the orange one. So I will get to a certain point where I'm just like, huh. Oh. You know, I would just love to eat like take a bite of a protein bar and not track it. 
You know what sure. I mean? Like right. that sort of thing. And that's, that's what we're about that a week yeah. and a half yeah. and yeah. two weeks yeah. detail matters for you guys, but that's really, really extreme and that's not what you guys do year round. Right. And that, so, like but, short periods of time. And like, this is, I think, one of the hardest things for a competitor is going from this where you, where you are stressed because you have kicked it up a notch to, okay, how do you limit that? I just want one bite because usually what happens after a show, you're, you're eating Reese's peanut butter cups backstage and you, you have donuts and then what happens is you start guilting yourself yeah. and you never come back to just mindful eating. So right? you know, you know, that's interesting. That reverse diet is so important. And I, I actually, I talk about like, if we're talking about competitors or even like people who like, most people die for something. Right? Yeah. Like there's, a, there's a vacation, there's a wedding. There's, it's an event, yeah. I talk about like the transition period, which is like literally that day or that night after whatever yeah. it is, is whether your diet's finished. That's very crucial. I see people put a few pounds on and it's just the negative mental place it puts yeah. them in. It starts them on a downward spiral. So yeah. I, it, and they just go into fucking mode. Right? Yep. Yeah. And one day it turns into a week, turns into I can't Absolutely. control my eating. And, I'm and then all of a sudden we're back on a diet again. So I binged after every single one of my shows except the last series of shows. And I, I dieted for almost 35 weeks for those shows. And the difference was I didn't count macros after I was done. I didn't want to. I just said, you know what? My cognitive restraint was, I'm going to eat until I feel physically full, and I'm not going to eat past that. Because you know, physically full and mentally full are to mm -hmm. two totally yeah. different things. Binge eaters are very familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your stomach's not to split, yeah. you're, still, here, you're yeah. still eating. It's yeah. a weird feeling to be so full but want more food. Do you feel like you can't yeah. stop? I have a separate storage tank for junk so I, I said, okay, I'm going to eat until I feel physically full, and then I'm going to stop. And I told myself that, and that was my goal going into it, right? So we, you know, I had like some bites of stuff backstage after the, I was actually, it was actually a guest posing. It wasn't, was my last thing. I did, I did a show and then the next week I had a guest posing. So I did the guest posing, had a few things backstage, some cookies and stuff, and it was fine. Went to a restaurant, I had deep dish Chicago style pizza, and you guys know like deep dish Chicago style wow. pizza, like, like, Illuminati's or Giordano's? Giordano's, baby. Oh. Oh, so good, right? The original, OG. So I had two slices of that, a Corona, a little bit of something else, and I was—I felt physically full. I still felt the compulsion to eat, but I felt physically full. I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, got back to the hotel room, had like a stick of beef jerky before yeah. bed to kind of satiate me again, and uh, went to bed. And you know what? I gained a pound, but I—I I still I felt pretty good, you know. And I hit my goal of okay, I didn't go crazy. Yeah. I practiced cognitive restraint, and you know what? The rest of that reverse went so well. Because I just I was in a good mental place. Yeah. You're a realistic. You had a realistic goal that you set. Yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't, back. like I wasn't like okay. I'm like yeah, I'm here and I'm gonna hit 30 grams of carbs and like I didn't do that. Yeah. But there was some. You have to have some form of cognitive restraint. What I usually see, we usually see, is people do this like like this prayer to the heavens. You know, they're like they're like they're like eat whatever the hell they want and then they act shocked when they gain five pounds, you know, and they're like, oh, I can't believe this happened. Well, of course it happened, you know, like your metabolism's the lowest it's gonna be and you eat whatever you wanted. Like, and there's, listen, if somebody says, I'm gonna go binge eat, I know I'm gonna gain body fat, I'll say, okay. Can and half of it's water if, anyway. If, 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 if you're okay with gaining a lot of body you fat. You take responsibility if, for it, you're if fine there is a, If there is a mental checklist in your head and you say, I know I'm gonna gain some body fat, I'm okay with it, because I wanna eat the shit out of this food tonight, that's okay. Yeah. But you have to have that inner conversation with yourself about what is realistic and what you're gonna do. If you wanna stay shredded, it, it's not gonna happen if you go out and eat whatever you want. Right. Yeah. It's so gratifying to see more and more um, competitors moving in that direction. I know for me, when I first competed in um, May of 2011, I was binging on almond butter before I even went out for finals. And uh, within two weeks, I gained back you know, the 15 pounds that I lost. Oh, and then, yeah, and then you know, and you know, at, at that point, it was that was what now, almost six years ago. I had kind of completely written off. Oh, competing is unhealthy and it's bad for you. This is what happens. And then after a while, you kind of like you know take some time off. You become more educated and yeah. a little more open-minded, and you realize. Oh, it doesn't have to be that way. So then, when I competed again, and Lane, you were the MC for um, when Lane, oh no, oh, when Paul uh, promoted his first yeah. OCB show in Tampa in November of 2014, mm -hmm. that was kind of like my comeback show. And I remember I did like a 20 week ghost prep where I didn't really tell anyone about it because um, I didn't want to pressure of anything. But that was the first time where um, I had, I took my time getting the body fat off, but I also had a very clear understanding that. Once I competed, that was not the end goal. 
that was just a pit stop that I had so much more ahead of me. And, uh, you know, when I was first competing, my thought was just do the show and worry about the aftermath after the show. Yeah. Don't even think about it. But now I had a plan in place and I understood, okay, I want to get this weight off and I want to keep it off. So it's been kind of cool. Yeah, it's now been over two years uh, since that show and I've maintained within five pounds of stage weight. I can stay lean year round. It's not hard. It's, it's, you know, I've made this my norm. And, uh, Did you have an immediate goal after you stepped off stage? Like, so talking to Lane, yeah. I have an immediate goal that I, it's not look related. I want to do a sprint triathlon coming up after yeah. my show. So it's, a, it's an immediate thing for me. I need goals. I don't want it to always be about looks. Like a show is always right, about sure. looks. And that gets old. Always, you know, really your self-worth is based on how lean it's you are. It's exhausting too. It is. So I think it's yeah. important for competitors out there yeah. to have something Something Powerful that's not, yeah, that's, that, yeah, yes. that's you, not yes, physically related in terms of how you look, but maybe you, your your goal is goal. now, yes, your your goal is now to deadlift five hundred pounds or right. whatever it is. Or even if it's not fitness related anymore, even if your priorities yeah. are allowed to shift, you do not always have to make lifting and bikini competition yeah. physique. That does not always have to be your yeah. first priority. Because the more you focus on it, the more like hypersensitive you are about it, and it just it, and sometimes you, you can't enjoy it anymore. Yes, no, exactly. Yeah, exhausting. Right, right, right. So I, I think um, there should be a pamphlet outside of every auditorium <laughs> as you go out. People just get as you're done competing, you get off stage. Right, here you go. Here's your trophy, and here's a pamphlet on reverse dieting. Why didn't have yeah. for Avatar? We should just I should just out for Avatar. If you don't want to blow up twenty pounds afterwards. Read this. It actually so I've got a, a, a small group of women that uh, I've been working with. With uh, so my my therapist um, who I go to, uh, she's more like a life coach now. Uh, she will organize a small group of women, and we're we're teaching them flexible dieting. They're using Avatar Nutrition. Um, for those who don't know, simplest plug: Avatar Nutrition, <laughs> ten dollars a month, custom macro coaching. That's an automated system that I help design. Um, and they're you know. I just read a post in the Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group for them. Uh, we actually want to see like if there's any difference in mental health as well. Like we're tracking like mood status and whatnot. And there, these are people who have never done any kind of like they're outside the fitness industry as far as you can be. And they're finding it very difficult to jump into macros. And most of the world, I would say, is right. And and so like and the, well, I, I really want a meal plan. I really want a meal plan. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them is. Okay, I understand that. And some people do need those training wheels to start. But what I, what I do tell people is, listen, this is a skill that is, it's like budgeting. Like if you want to get wealthy without budgeting, it can be done, but you're going to have to be, make a, a lot more money, right? Make a lot more money because you're going to be sloppy with your money, right? If, if you can budget, you can get there, you can get there faster, right? So if I teach you this skill, like budgeting is a skill, right? If I teach you a skill of tracking, it's gonna take you a few weeks and you're gonna mess up stuff and you're gonna suck at it at first. It's gonna be frustrating. But once you've gotten that skill down, unfortunately, people don't look at it that way. They say, I just wanna lose weight now. I just wanna lose it now. And again, we don't talk about that, that diet after mm -hmm. the diet, right? Like, so he had a great post and I'll, I'll, I'll drop the mic and let you give your oh, final okay. thoughts. Okay. On Twitter, I remember this two years ago. Oh, I use this yes. quote all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was almost five years ago. Was it five years ago? Mm -hmm. God, Tom five and five years ago. Oh, it's a baby. Was you were my sister by then? Um, that was like ten months before I was okay. like, I heard through the grapevine. You know, like, <laughs> I heard your sister. So, uh, she said, if the diet you're on, if you can't see yourself doing that in three months or in six months or in twelve months, you have to rethink your plan because it's gonna fail. Something I, I may have paraphrased, yeah. but but something that effect. I remember thinking, that's just brilliant. And it fits exactly with what the data says. Yeah. I can tell you as a trainer that used to give meal plans before I'd ever heard, like I owned a facility 12 years ago or whatever, and I gave everyone meal plans. It was like the BC diet and mm -hmm. my initials. And it was so strict and they get shredded and then they quit training with me and they blow up and I'm yeah. like, they need me. You're like, oh, that's not my fault. They need me. They're reliant on me. Yeah, because I gave them the... You're giving them a fish instead of teaching them to fish. Right. I gave them the worst system. You know, I, I, I did not teach them to fish, and I feel bad about that, but what, what can but you do? But you do what you do. Yeah. 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 Well, you know better, but, you know, I think... A lot of people just won't listen to, like, preaching, the, trying to, you know, again, getting back to family. Not, not back to people who compete, even. Just the everyday person who wants to lose weight. When you say, hey, let's learn how to track macros, it's sure. like, 
Well, or right. even learn how to read a nutrition yeah. label. Right. Yeah, that's like, step number what are, one. What are your calorie needs? You will never learn more about nutrition. I The most yeah. I ever learned Tracking. about nutrition was tracking my we'll be way in track. I've done a PhD in nutritional science. Mm -hmm. The most I ever learned about nutrition was having to go through the store. Because I just didn't know, right? When I first did my first contest prep. I, and this is, people complain now about tracking macros. Shut up. <laughs> I used to have the, like, I had the complete look, book of food counts. And I had to oh like, okay, Brussels sprouts. Oh, I had oh. oh, My first competition, yes. I had that too. In the back of my workout journal, it had, yes. I had all the lists of foods that I liked and what the calories were on. Yes, yeah. So I had, had to, we had to pick through no, books. I, for I, I, I Ray and I think an abacus. So I, like, I would have to look through the page and find it, okay, and it would just give the serving size. So I'm like, all right, oh, so I'm going to divide the serving by the amount I, or the, my, amount I have by the serving size, then multiply the protein, carbs, fat, oh, by that, or that. Seven, you know, like, I was doing it on a sheet of paper, you know, uh, that, but that's, I, I did that. But I learned so yeah. much about nutrition because I didn't know what a high protein food was. Sure. I didn't know what a high carb, low fat food was. I didn't know what a high fat, low carb food was. Like, but I, I, I remember one day I spent three hours in the grocery store. Just going, is this high protein? No. Mm. Is this high protein? No. Is this high protein? Is this low carb? No. This, right. And I, I, I based my diet around what would fit. You know. Yeah. And That's so, our second most fun game: is going to the grocery store, reading labels. We do that on a date all the time. I've also found a, a, a negative and inverse association uh, of how much you give a shit uh, cost-wise versus yep. how few carbs are in it. That's right? so, so true. It's like, this bread has one less gram of carbs, but it's $2 more, it doesn't matter. Throw it in the car. You, know? like it's, you just don't care if you can get the lower calorie. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, again, uh, if... I, I'm a data-driven guy, so if I had data out there to say, hey, there was a system that was better, I'm all for it, you know, but right now I feel like this is one of the best systems we have, and hopefully, hopefully what we're going to do is get people better resources so that we can give them those training wheels to get them to a better spot uh, to help them, and, and like with Avatar, one of the things that's actually helped the most is we have a Facebook uh, group with like several thousand members, and the support between the people and when people are struggling with something, somebody comes out and says, oh, I was struggling with that, but this is what I did, right? Yeah. And that the amount of macro-friendly food shared on there must be disturbing. It's crazy. <laughs> well, we, have, we, have, we have the flexible dieting queen, Kate Robertson. You know, do you know yes, Kate? the macro, the macro experiment. experiment. She's great. She is the best yeah. like macro recipe. It's unbelievable. If you go to her Instagram, I think she has almost 100,000 followers She's, now. She started wow. like, the first time I saw her was like a few years ago, she had like 500. She I remember when she emailed me or you via yeah. me. Yeah, I go, this so, girl wants to do an experiment. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there's just so many options out there now. And really, like, it is a, it is a great age to be alive, you know, like for, for flexible dieters. So. A lot of the criticisms against flexible dieting, like, if people like to eat clean, like clean, whatever that means. There is no objective definition of clean, right. by the way. But, but we all kind of know, like, what ice cream is. We have if you like to eat that, you can you can eat mostly all clean foods and just not so be flexible because life forces you to be flexible. So right. you can't mm -hmm. and and also like if you do compete, then if you compete, then you don't and you know that these foods tend to make you bloat or something. You, you, but you can eat those most of the year in yeah. small yeah. amounts and then avoid them before the prep. But the the criticisms just don't hold up. No, I, and I don't really mind. Like today, I had I'm a I'm, what am I, two and a half weeks out? Fair that? I had Chick fil A. I had. What is the deal with Chick fil A? Why is everyone obsessed with Chick fil A? Because it's great macros. I've never had it ever. I've never had it. Missing out. Great macros. And then we had Pokey at the Pokey spot. And then I had some popcorn. And like, it might make me, you know, it's not my normal foods. If it makes me bold or whatever, more sodium, I don't know, whatever. But I know it's like, again, like, it's much better than like me taking a bite of one of these things on my clean eating program that I followed, you know, years ago, and then bam, ah, and then cheat, and, and that's good. that's the point. It's it's mindful, and I really think this is a good video for people out there that you know, even if you do count macros or if you're familiar with it, you know, this is a good video for someone out there that's not even aware of what macros are. Like, what 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 are these macros? What's a macro? People keep talking about those. Like, invest some time into just learning about that, and then just take two weeks. And don't change your diet, 
just start tracking and all of a sudden you just become aware. Just pay attention, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there was a survey, I think it was in the early 2000s where they, um, they surveyed a bunch of Americans and they found that I want to say like, okay, this is a five range because I don't remember the number. Somewhere between 40 to 80% of Americans didn't understand what a calorie was and they don't understand their own energy needs. And I think that's a shockingly high um, proportion of people who have no clue. When you say that's 500 calories, they go, okay. Because they have no idea like how to interpret it or put it into any kind of context. I mean, a and calorie, to burn a calorie, it's kind of a confusing. Right. And they're like, what's that? They don't know. They don't know. To raise one Degree of water, one, one milligram, right. one degree. But even to the average person, one eight joules. Like, what? what does that mean? They go what? Um, but they they go you know. Because you can ask someone, Lane, what do you think? You're the average. Let's say you're the average American, slightly overweight, um, dumpy looking guy. They <laughs> say, Lane, <laughs> you're not. What? How many calories do you need? Do you need to maintain your body weight? They have no clue. No, I have no idea. They have no idea. So when you see um, like this gummy bear package, like this has 140 calories, they don't know. Okay, that's um, you know that's like what do you want to say? Like five percent of my day's energy needs. They don't 7%. understand. I'm not gonna do the math right now. They don't understand any of that. So even the most basic um, instruction of Here's here's around what you might need for your and day. And here's how this, this fits into your day. Why is this not taught in schools? Why is this not educated in schools? Like I feel like schools teach you stuff you don't. Not to get too much on a anti-education, right? Because that's a whole other three hours. That's a whole other podcast. But, but, but yeah, libertarian lane. Uh, <laughs> but why do we teach people budgeting and how to do their taxes? And, and 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 proper and like not even property. That'd be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know they, they that's information they actually yeah. need. Like just even a few months of that. That's what YouTube is for. So, now. but going, I'll I'll end with this. Um, there was a survey done in 2000, 2007. I remember because I wrote this paper in two thousand seven, uh, for for one of my classes actually, um, and it was is is a calorie calorie was, was the name of the paper. And uh, there was a survey of Americans done, and 70% of Americans believed the food foods you ate were more important than the amount of calories you consumed. Yeah. Mm. So what you ate was more important, I'm sorry, what you ate was more important than how much you ate, right? And I made the argument, I was supposed to be an argument, counter-argument paper, and I made the argument for and against. And a lot of people, I remember there was a Quest Nutrition did a video a while back, and they actually took it down, much to their credit. It was by a guy named Jonathan Baylor, where he said that the food you ate were more important than, hmm. than the calories you ate. And they make a lot of uh, emphasis on the thermic effect of food, right? Like the, it takes energy to get energy out of food. Protein has a greater thermic effect of food. Or, or, and they would point out like foods that were important, like vegetable oils. That's like, saying that is like saying, if heard people say they got to create expenses because they have taxes due. That's stupid. That's like that's like that's like saying I'm gonna pay Brett ten dollars to avoid paying Steve three dollars, sure, right. right? So it's the same thing because the thermic effect of food is only about thirty. It's only it's right. like thirty percent greater for protein. It doesn't. You still have to account for those calories. Yes, if you eat a higher protein diet, is a little bit more is a higher thermic effect. But it's protein and fiber. If you have a food that tends to be like better for body composition, it's not because it's magic, it's because it tends to have higher protein or higher fiber, right? And when you equalize for those, you just don't see differences in studies, especially, mm. actually you don't even need to equalize for those. If you equalize for calories, most of the differences go away. If you mm. equalize for calories and protein, pretty much all the differences go mm. away. And then if you equalize for fiber, there is zero difference That's what whatsoever. I was gonna ask you. I kind of think this, but I'd like to know your, your, your guys' opinion. <clears throat> I think if you do track and you're fit and healthy, you could get all of your carbs from sugars and not, and your physique and health wouldn't change at all. You could eat all fruit or whatever. You could so eat it might change how you, how you feel. As long as you, yeah, how you feel. If you, so like if I eat just pure gummy bears, it might not be, but if I eat fruit, it doesn't make me feel bad. If I eat, you could eat fruit and... Well, what I, t what I tell people is like, you know, people say, well, sugar is associated with obesity. By the way, sugar consumption in the last 10 years has gone down. Obesity has continued to go up linearly. That's so there actually is there. no association anymore. But calories? So sorry, Gary Taubes. Calories have gone up, Wayne? Uh, oh, yeah, calories have gone up. Calories have gone up. So, because we said, okay, stop consuming sugar a few years ago. 
He was like, okay, because people have largely, people have largely, large, 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 what's crazy, we'll, we'll what's crazy is more people have largely done what the government, on, what the government has told them to do in terms of food, yeah. right? In the 70s, we stopped eating fat, right? Yeah. We, we, they maintain that fat intake went down. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the early 2000s, we stopped eating sugar and they, they, we went down in sugar intake. Obesity continued to go up. Well, the, the, the association with sugar is because people tend to overconsume it because it's not satiated, right? If you, drink, if you drink a Coke, it's not like, okay, that was 50 grams of carbs. So I'm going to take that 50 grams of carbs out. Like, you're, you're drinking that on top of what you already eat, right? right? So with fruit, why there is not the same association? People who eat a lot of fruit tend to be leaner, healthier, right? Why is that if it's high in sugar? Because fruit has fiber with it, and people don't tend to overeat on fruit, mm. right? So it's again, it's it's a calorie, protein, and fiber issue. And people people have asked me, Lane, are you saying that you know I could just eat all sugar? And I think you could take anything to an extreme and make it ridiculous, sure. but. I mean, based on well, the data, based on the data, the Twinkie diet proves that. Based but on no, the data, you it wouldn't want be. You wouldn't. Right, right. It's not practical. But you can. It's not practical. Yeah. There's there's a, scientifically, there's a study though. It'll feel like crap. There's a study that showed all. Yes. The the one one group's carbs were all sugar, and the others were complex. And the sugar group, but everything was equated. The sugar group actually lost a little bit more fat. I don't think it was significant. Yeah. Exactly. And that's you know. Again, people, it's funny, and when you show that to somebody like Gary Taubes or somebody who's just a low-sugar, low-carb zealot, the response is always a visceral, emotional, I don't believe that, right? I mean, we were at Epic. Gary Taubes is giving a speech, and he said, he's going through all the problems with, it's him and Alan Argon having a debate. And he's going through all, Joe Rogan, are you listening to this? You ain't been on our show. Because I will eviscerate Gary Taubes. Was Gary on Joe Rogan's show? Yes. So... Um, Gary Towns is going so Al Argon's post quoting all these studies right and just crushing Gary Towns and Gary Towns goes well I don't believe that one well that one was funded by this well that one was funded by that and then he says then he has the audacity to say I'm funding studies that's going to prove that it's true and I raised my hand remember this Brett I raised my hand and said so let me get this straight The, the studies that were funded for Alan you don't believe, but the one that you're going to fund is okay. And then when the study came out, it actually disproved his hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. And he said he didn't believe it. Uh, but remember Alan said, if given enough research, would you change your mind? He said, no. no. He goes, no. Would you? Of I course. I don't believe he admitted that. That means you're not a scientist. You're a zealot. You're a zealot. You're, you're, you're not a scientist. You're a cultist. You're a religious right, right. zealot. You know? <laughs> That's, I mean, I did a whole, years ago, my fifth video log was it was about it was actually about intermittent fasters. Mm-hmm. Like the, that was the one where I got oh, Martin Beckles. Yeah, remember Martin, yeah. like the high priest of intermittent yeah. fasting, as yeah. he calls himself. Uh, sorry, Martin. Sorry. Um, you know he went crazy because what I said was I think intermittent fasting is fine for fat loss. I think it's probably a little bit suboptimal for muscle mass based on the data we have about protein distribution. And he took that and was like, like, went on. And you were in no way being intimidating. No, it was very professional. And and Martin went on this like rant on Twitter about like me not knowing what the hell I was talking about, you know, this and that. And I'm just like, guy, where'd this come from? You know, like, (laughs) so, yeah. So it's, it's, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people, and we could go a whole nother, and it's like, we need to go. (laughs) We gotta, we gotta retrain. But, I think people like the idea of belonging to something, uh-huh. you know, and they want to sit. I told that to Brad Schoenfeld when we first met. I said, "Fitness is religion," and yeah. he was like, a few years later, he's like, "God, you're so right about that." Yeah, we have. We want to belong. CrossFit proves that. Yeah. yeah, CrossFit, Paleo, ketogenic diet. Yeah. I put up a ketogenic diet video. I had anti-ketogenic diet people and pro-ketogenic diet people both mad at me. You know, <laughs> it was just. It's just so weird, and I'm just over here like, don't hate me, hate the data, guys. Like, it just, you know, at the end of the day, there is no magic. I'm sorry, right. there's not. Like, mm-hmm. I, w- I went to do my PhD wanting to find magic foods, because if I found magic foods, we'd be balling in a friggin' 10,000 <laughs> yeah. square foot house with crystals on the floor, you know what I mean? Like, but pretending, but giving, the thing, the, the thing that take away, a lot of people out there that aren't familiar with a lot of this stuff, the everyday dieter out there, it's more practical just to say, I'm gonna cut out sugar. It's the easier route to say, I'm not yeah, gonna sure, consume sure. that. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but when you really invest in learning about macros and learning about how to eat mindfully, there aren't such things as good foods and bad foods. It's really, it's eating in moderation. When you learn that by counting macros, it changes your life. You know, I think the, the thing that's really encouraging about flexible dieting too is that um, I don't know of, I don't know of a single person, and maybe you guys do, I don't know of a single person who's been a flexible dieter and that said, actually, I kind of like clean eating better. No. It's always the other way around, I have always. To, I have to make this point. Yeah. Yeah. I have to make this point and I'm, I'm done. Did you like her more than my advocates? Yeah, advocates yeah, is pretty good. Yeah, high five. So, um, our viewers out there under 20 minutes. So, Lauren and Bill Campbell and Lauren Collins' study, they, they surveyed them afterwards, okay? So, they had like 27 people in the study, right? 13 in one group, 14 in another. And they pulled them, and they, they had one group doing a flexible diet, one doing a meal plan. And they pulled every single one of them, and they said, if you had a choice now, what would you choose? And every single one except one person said that they would choose a flexible diet. Even people who crushed it on the meal plan, who did really, really well, they said, I would, I would choose a flexible diet. Are they going to publish that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I was asking about that. that. I hope they do. You know, um, the, the, adding to that... When, um, and then we're done. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point there are a number of studies showing that, um, well, the, I think the big one was in 2005 where they, it's called the A to Z study, where they compared three different diets. They compared the Atkins, the, the Orange diet, and the Zone diet, and comparing weight loss between the three groups, and they found that weight loss was equal, and actually the biggest determinant of weight loss success was dietary adherence, not any specific diet. But the, the other thing I'll add to that from a, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about quality of life and mindset and everything. Um, I think that if you can stick to a meal plan and your dietary adherence is 100%, that's awesome. However, if your quality of life has gone to shit because of that, that's not a win. You are not better off for it. And so I think, um, you know, you don't want to just look at your adherence. You want to look at how it's affecting your day-to-day -day life. How do you feel physically, mentally? Are you in a shitty mood? Are you a horrible person to be around? Has your boyfriend broken up with you and left because you're just a witch? Like, th those things matter too. So, <laughs> so I think... Um, I think flexible dieting in that regard allows you to maintain high dietary adherence and adhere to the, um, I guess you can call it the hierarchy of nutrition or the nutrition pyramid where overall calories matter most and then protein and then carbs and fat and then nutrient timing and then meal frequency, supplements, etc. and so on and so forth. It allows you to pay heed to that while maintaining some semblance of a life mm. and without losing your personality and without becoming completely consumed by your contest prep or whatever it is that you're preparing for. So that, that matters too, not just body count. Absolutely. I love that. Well, guys, <laughs> thank you all. That was, I think that was a great podcast. High fives all on. And uh, Solid. Thank you. We're out. Thank you.